Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor of youth and families at First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Hey, Gage, good to be back with you here on our season uh, four episode. Four. Season yeah. four, episode uh, two, right? Is two. that right? Episode two. That's it. And, yeah. Uh, La- we last were, week we uh, kicked it off, so this is episode two. We're, we are uh, in our series on ecclesiology, big word, but basically uh, churchology, what the church is, why it matters. We say every week, welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means and why it all matters. And so we have, if you think about it, we've spent the, the last few seasons talking about the gospel and the Bible. And so we're going to drill down this season and talk about the church and what it means and why it matters. Before we go any further, though, we want to remind everybody that Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software. If you are not familiar with Logos Bible Software, it is an amazing tool, not just for pastors, not just for seminary students, not just for professors and teachers, but for lay people as well. It's a great way to make the most of your Bible study time because of the number of tools and stuff. Gage, tell me one of the, one of your favorite things about Logos Software. The biggest thing um, with Logos, you know, it is a a big investment for some. Um, So even if you don't have the means necessarily um, just yet to invest in a whole package, uh, the app in and of itself is a great tool. It's both on Apple or Android, whichever platform you use. It's it's totally accessible. It's free. You download the app. You get a basic uh, package uh, with Logos. So right now the basic Logos 9 will be the package you'll get on your app. Uh, and then it gets a, you get a ton of free resources. You can do word studies like we talked about before, right from your app. You can read books just like a Kindle right from your app. You can do a daily, daily Bible reading. You can, um, you know, get into study, even if uh, you're um, a pastor trying to do um, study on the go, maybe it, it's your day off, but your wife has drug you to Hobby Lobby and you need to sit sit in the corner and find something to do. This app is great for that. Uh, and the benefit to that is, you know, every month Logos gives away a free digital resource. Uh, this month, it's actually a commentary on the book of Galatians. That's really great. Um, yeah. You can get access to that, download it, you know, go through the shopping cart and boom, it's right there on, on your app and you can get all sorts of resources like that. Uh, so I would highly recommend that uh, to any of our listeners. I would also let you know in conjunction with our partnership when this episode comes out, uh, there'll be a couple of ways in which you can benefit from our partnership. One is if you will go to assuranceofpardon.com slash Logos, there will be a special landing page that will redirect you to Logos. It'll get you 10% off on uh, any purchase of any package there, um, plus five 
additional resources right off the back to add add to your collection. And you can even, depending on what your tradition is, you can get there's more more Baptistic resources, there's Reformed resources, there's Anglican resources. There's all sorts of sure. of great great kind of um, geared towards whatever tradition our listeners are, are. We would recommend the Reform package, obviously being Presbyterians, uh, but that'll be available at assurancepartner.com/logos, and then they'll, they'll also just be in general. Uh, a pop-up link to direct you um, to the Logos page to peruse and, and check things out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you you mentioned uh, Android and 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 Apple iOS, but also you know we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, the powerhouse of Logos is the desktop software for Windows uh, or or on your Mac desktop, and it is amazing. One of the things that I find so helpful when I'm uh, uh, writing a sermon every week. Um, right now I'm in, I'm in going to be in Genesis chapter 10 at Hope Church is the, you know, I've got thousands of commentaries in Logos and what Logos allows me to do, what a Logos allows me to do is it allows me to imagine you, you Gage, you're looking at me right now on, we're, we're recording this on zoom and you can see, you know, a couple hundred books in my physical books in my library. Imagine I could turn around and say to this bookshelf, Hey, all of you books, everybody jump off of that bookcase and open up to whatever you have to say about Genesis chapter 10. Uh, and, and magically all of them open up. Every commentary opens up to Genesis chapter 10. Well, that's what actually is possible in Logos Bible software is I can search every book in my library by the passage that I'm looking in. It's absolutely remarkable. So just, it, you know, absolutely supercharging my ability to just look, let me see what this says. Let me see what this says. And I'm not hunting right. and searching for books. And so it's it's a great resource mm -hmm. and we hope folks will check it out. Enough of that though. Let's move into talking about, we said this season that we're talking about ecclesiology, we're talking about the church. And so it, we can't really go any further <clears throat> unless we unpack what exactly is a church. Um, a lot of folks will say, a lot of folks will say, I don't need to go to church. My church is in the woods. My church is fishing. My church is is uh, just staying home and being quiet. Obviously, most of our listeners would would know we would we would push back against that. But then, is any kind of gathering of people a church? What makes a church a church? Yeah, I think this gets into, and we we handled this actually uh, in our our unhelpful Christiany series season. Uh, two, I believe, um, where we talked about the idea of where two or three are gathered. Uh, this kind of comes back to that idea, right? That people think, well, if two Christians are hanging out and they're watching, uh, you know, a football game, well, isn't that just church, right? Or, or there'll be a pendulum swing towards charity and missions and outreach and say, well, the church isn't just gathering on Sunday and they'll downplay the Sunday gathering and say, well, the church is the hands and feet of what you're doing during the week. Um, while I think those things are, are definitely uh, fellowship with friends is good. Um, gathering and doing the mission uh, of the church is good. Those things are the fruits of the church. They, they aren't actually the root or the, the, essence of the church. And so what we're going to get into today um, is what the reformers have typically defined as the marks of the church. You may be, be familiar with that because our, our Baptist friends uh, developed a whole um, 
platform called Nine Marks, where Mark Dever and others have, have asked questions about what makes a healthy church. They get this idea of a mark of a church or like a, distin- what actually, a distinguishing mark. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like a, a, a what makes a church, right? What defines a church, a mark of a church. They get that essentially from the, the reformers, right? And, and resources that we'll include in the show notes, like um, Article 29 of the Belgic Confession, or um, for us as Presbyterians, Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 25, um, talks about these things. Um, and ultimately, while we wouldn't subscribe to nine marks, we would simply say, there are essentially three marks that define a church. And Scott, what are those three marks? Well, and before we go and before we say what these three marks are, um, we're, we're, we're not saying these are the only three things a church can do. Uh, what we're saying is if a church fails to do any of these three, it might be a Bible study. It might be, it might be uh, um, delightful. Okay. A parachurch organization. A parachurch organization. You think about all of these. You think about so many folks who would say, well, instead of going to church, maybe you're a college student, instead of going to church, I just go to Campus Crusade for Christ things. Or instead or, of going yeah, to church, I go to, I go to yeah. I go to uh, the, 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 the BCM or uh, Reformed University Fellowship. And we'd say, those are great. Those are great things, but they are not a church. The marks of a church are that the word, the gospel is rightly preached and proclaimed, that the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and baptism are rightly administered. Are, are you, when you gather together, are you, uh, are you, uh, uh, practicing baptism in the Lord's Supper? And third, that church discipline is rightly administered for the purpose of, for the purpose of restoring, um, 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 of restoring the, the, penitent to Christ, of the, the purity of the church and the glory of God. So those are the three things that make the church a church. The word preached, the sacraments administered, and church discipline practiced. So when we say this, let's let's talk about each one of these. Why these three, Scott? Why why word, why sacrament, and why discipline? Well, um, these are the these are the means that God has given us to grow us, right? Uh, they are they are they are what we have. Obviously, uh, the we have Scripture, which is God's uh, inspired and errant infallible Word, which He has given to us for the purpose uh, for teaching, for correction, for reproof, for training in righteousness, that we may be well equipped. Uh, and He He tells us in the Great Commission to go into all nations and make disciples. Uh, how do you make disciples by teaching them? All that he's commanded us—that's that's the scriptures—and and baptize them, baptizing them, right? Uh, um, and so there's there's two of the marks right there, and then the, the he tells us uh, in the Lord's Supper to do this in remembrance of me. So there's, and then he tells us about how to handle that because the the short answer is the reason we do those is because it's what Scripture tells us to do. Mm-hmm. And I think you know it helps to understand. Um, how we got here, right? Um, one of the things I've been doing with my my kids on Sunday nights and in the youth group is a, a Presbyterian one on one series. And last week we talked about the solas of the Reformation, right? Grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, through Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. And these five solas that that made up um, the the Reformation. The reason this was happening is because 
the reformers were looking around and they were realizing in their day that the the church had all sorts of things that it was including in its weekly gatherings or its makeup that had nothing to do with scripture, right? Yeah. There were traditions, there were, there were edicts from bishops, there were uh, all, all sorts of things that were coming down from top down, from the Pope down, um, that had nothing to do with actual scripture uh, that were being kind of mandated for people in the life of the church and were creating an unnecessary burden. So the reformers wanted to get back to um, really what what is the faith once defined, right? What what was Jesus giving to the church? What was Paul and the other apostles? What were they handing down in the epistles? And essentially they summarized it in the proclamation of the word, the giving of the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, and then practicing church discipline. And and because they believed, and we believe by extension, that when these are like bricks in a foundation, when you start removing these bricks away from the foundation of the church, just like if you started to mess with the foundation of a house, things start to falter, right? If you get up on Sunday... And I tell my my children this every week when we do a, do a children's sermon, um, and you don't hear Jesus in the sermon. That was a TED talk. That wasn't a sermon, <laughs> that's right. right? And so when we do the children's sermon, we do a coloring sheet every week that's relevant to what we're going to talk about. And I give them four words to focus on. And my kids know by now because we do it every single week that three of the words are going to have to do with with something in the sermon, right? Probably something in the verses we're dealing with. But the last one they know, and they, they beat me to it every time. They know the last word is going to be Jesus because I am trying to get them to, as hearers, listen and go, okay, did Pastor Gage, did Pastor Bill, did whoever the guest is get up there and talk about Jesus? Because it's the proclamation of the word, right? We're there ultimately because of Jesus. If if it if it's not about Jesus, there's other things we can find to do on our Sunday. But again, in the proclamation of the word, when we get up there and you start giving people something other than Jesus, here's five ways to be a better dad. Here's right. six ways to, to be, improve your productivity as an employee. Here's three things you need to consider when you vote. Um, whatever the case may be, when you start removing the centrality of the gospel and, and removing the authority from the word uh, away and get up and preach and start giving a TED talk, you're one saying that what you have to say is more important than God, because this that's, is the very word of God. That's um, and and then two, you start to see the effects of that, the erosion of the centrality of the gospel in your church. That's exactly right. In Jesus in in uh, John chapter five, uh, verse thirty nine is is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, "Hold on, let me. I'm pulling it up here. I, I've I have somehow gotten it in the in." the KJV, which I'm, I'm not going to read it in the KJV. He says to the, he says to the, the uh, Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have eternal life. Um, how often is that the case when we, when there are churches who are doing exactly what you're talking about, and that is preaching messages that don't need Jesus in order to be true? 
right? When when it comes to managing your money and 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 setting goals and taking your life to the next level, um, if it, it, uh, William Willimon, who's a, a a Methodist bishop actually, who is who has written some pretty helpful stuff, he has a quote. He says, "Every time I write a sermon, before I deliver the sermon, I ask myself this one question: In order for what I'm about to say to be true." Would it require the second person of the Trinity to take on human flesh, live a perfect life, die on the cross for my sins, and be raised on the third day? Amen. And and if it and if it doesn't require that, then it's not a Christian sermon. And then Brian Chapel says, if you can preach a sermon that would not offend uh, a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or a Jew, you've not preached a Christian sermon. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we're that's what we're getting at because when it says the word is rightly proclaimed, it doesn't just mean and that it doesn't just mean that you're doing a talk that maybe sort of cites a couple of Bible verses as your uh, as a proof. To, I was at a church one time that preached a sermon on how to be physically fit. And the you know the introduction was just how, how important it is that you be physically fit, uh, and then then they here's here's some points we're going to look at from scripture, and you know number one was uh, maintain your ideal weight, uh, that was and then the the Bible verse was was a verse about about no. um, was about uh, not abusing your body right it was, no. it was talking about sexual immorality. Uh, but they were using it to talk about weight. Um, another one was where Paul tells Timothy that physical exercise is of some value. Um, but the the verse was actually a verse that if you read, then they chopped off the verse, right? It was sure. physical exercises of some value. But if you actually read it, it says in 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 a, a better translation, it says physical exercise is of little value, but. <laughs> Spiritual exercise is uh, of real value, right? It's it, the verse one read in context is kind of throwing physical exercise under the bus by right. comparison to to spiritual disciplines and and what have you, and and yet they 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 chopped up and they're they're treating the Bible like a ransom note, like a fortune mm-hmm. cookie that you can crack open and just mine out these little nuggets of gold rather than teaching it and preaching it in context, and they're they're they are wasting. God's people's time on the Lord's day by feeding them something other than Christ crucified for their sins. Right. Cause at the end of the day, you know, um, you, you're placing yourself in a position of authority, right? When you have removed the preaching of the word from what you're doing in that Mark, you're essentially saying, Hey, what I have to say, is more important than the God of the universe who has given us this word by um, speaking and through the power of the Holy spirit through the hand, hands of men who were carried along by, by the spirit that we believe that this is the, the very words of God, that this is holy, that this is sacred, right? That, that every week uh, Scott, when we get in the pulpit, it, we tremble at some sense because man, you know, we are getting ready to proclaim what the Lord says. That, that's mm-hmm. what we believe we're, we're doing. It's not just, hey, the, here's a few thoughts that we had while sitting at the Cracker Barrel this week that we want to share with you guys. Or I was hanging out with my family, and, and I got to think about these whimsical you know, principles for life that I wanted to share with you. No, like this is the very word of God. Uh, and that's, so that's why the first mark starts. And then the other two that we deal with in the march of the church, the sacraments and discipline, come from this first one. 
right? Amen. That that the the scripture being proclaimed leads us to then see a um, priority placed on the sacraments. Now, does this mean you're going to baptize every single week? That would be great. Sometimes that's not going to be the case, uh, but it does mean that that the church should regularly be exercising baptism, partially because what are we? What's happening in baptism? You're either bringing children into the covenant community, rejoicing what the Lord's going to do in carrying out His promises, or that means someone's come to faith, which means you spent time with lost people and you've proclaimed the gospel, right? So when that stops happening, you start to ask the question, why? What's going on that baptism has ceased? Is it we're not pursuing families anymore that are having children that are um, we're able to bring into the covenant community? Or is it we're not proclaiming the gospel <laughs> to lost people? Like we're not hanging out with people who ne- need to hear the good news of Jesus and need to be transformed by the spirit. Like it, it forces you to start asking the question about the health of the church because that is or, or not around, right? Like that, that is removed. That is absent from the body of the church. And it's not just, you know, it, the temptation and, and we, I know Scott, you and I both grew up in this context. The temptation is to use use it like statistics to pat ourselves on the back, right? How many baptisms have you done? That's not what we mean when we say that. But we do think that baptism is a a key part to the life of the church because it's a sign and a seal and a means of grace communicating the gospel to us. But also with communion, right? if you're not doing communion regularly, and there's some freedom there, right? There's some churches that do it every week. Uh, You and I are in the camp that think you should do it every week. There's some churches that don't do it every week. They do it um, monthly or quarterly. Once a month or quarterly or whichever. And, you know, the BCO and uh, gives a little bit of freedom to the discretion of that's book of church order. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Insider baseball, but like our, our church, our church manual essentially for Presbyterians gives a little bit of freedom there for the elders um, to oversee that and it be at their discretion. But Scott, we have to ask the question then. And I would love, love your thoughts here. Why have communion every week? Why are we pushing for the regular administration of this sacrament? Amen. We, we have communion every we, uh, at, at Hope Church Hot Springs. We practice communion every single week because a we have gathered together as God's people. Uh, our elders have called the people to worship, and b because we need the supernatural encouragement that the that the that the sacrament gives us, and that is the you know I say this at Hope Church every week. The 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 Lord's Supper is a sign, and a sign is a small visible thing that points to or testifies to the reality of a larger invisible uh, invisible thing. Like a, a sign that says "Icy Bridge" is not an icy bridge; it's testifying to the fact that there is a bridge and it is icy, and you may not see it. And so, in the Lord's Supper, God is feeding us himself. He is, when we eat this bread and drink this cup with believing hearts, God is pleased to feed us Christ, not through our mouths, uh, but through our hearts. And that, so the, the reason that we, we, we practice it, the reason that we, we celebrate the Lord's Supper every week is because we believe it's, 
it's it's nourishing. We believe that it's good. We believe that why would we not gather together and uh, uh, and do it every chance we every chance we can on the Lord's day when we when we gather together. We we believe that we believe that that Christ is present with us at the table, spiritually present at the table, uh, that He invites us to it, and that He feeds us. And and so. You know, I always say, why do we do it every week? Because that's as often as we meet. If we met, if we met twice a week, we might do it twice a week. Right. It's, it because we think it's important. Um, sometimes folks will say, um, I, I don't want the Lord's Supper to lose its specialness. Uh, but the truth is, uh, you know, you wouldn't say to my, you wouldn't say to your wife, you wouldn't say to your wife, uh, we. Uh, let's let's only kiss each other uh, once a month because I don't want our uh, I don't want that to lose its specialness. Uh, um, uh, uh, rather, we say because it's special, we do it frequently, right? And, and that's the way we feel about it at, at, at about frequency with the Lord's Supper. Well, and and even you know you wouldn't say I wouldn't say to Katie, hey Katie, we're only going to celebrate our uh, anniversary every four years because I don't want it to lose its luster. That wouldn't communicate that to her. That would communicate the opposite to her, that I don't think our anniversary is a big deal, that I don't think our, our marriage is special to, you know, it would actually unintentionally communicate the opposite. Um, so, so in that, it, I think too, and, and this is, these are two reasons why um, I am an advocate of uh, communion every week personally one, it's a means of grace, meaning it is something that the Lord has given the church to communicate his grace to us. It's a means by which grace is communicated. Um, not that it's salvific, but it is communicating what salvation is about, what grace is about, what God has done for us. So, And it's promised that when I take the supper, my faith is strengthened. And there are all sorts of ways in which I don't understand the intricacies of that, and that's okay. But it, I at least trust the promise that it's going to strengthen my faith when I take the supper. So if that's the case, I need all the help I can get. I need all the grace you can give me. I need all the strength that you could possibly communicate to me. So for me, I, I'm selfish. That's why I want it every every single week. The the other thing um, that that I think it does is it it gives a safeguard to the preacher that, you know, at the end of the day, um, we are sinners just like everybody else. And it is possible for us to prep all week and get in the pulpit and somehow preach a sermon that was void of Jesus, right? Uh, that missed the gospel, that either intentionally or unintentionally gave people the law instead of the gospel, right? We gave them some to-dos instead of putting their trust and hope in what Jesus has done. And guess what? If you failed to do that, if you walk down the steps to the table, the table saves you from yourself in that moment because it forces you to proclaim the good news of the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. And then even in that moment, your sermon can be rescued from yourself and the gospel can still be proclaimed. So that those are two things that, that I think are, are, are reasons why that, that matters. But let's talk about the last mark here. 
discipline. You know, we we did a whole episode where we talked about about the the ideas of church discipline uh, and wrestle with this a, a few um, episodes back. So we won't get get into the miry details. But why is discipline an ongoing mark of the church, Scott? Well, um, in our I'm, I serve on our Presbyterian Credentials Committee, and we we ask um, we ask uh, men who are coming for ordination what are the or licensure what are the what are the three reasons that the confession gives for practicing church discipline and the answer is for the restoration of the believer right that's the the, um, two for the purity of the church and three for the uh the glory of god um one of the you know so we are asking when someone joins the church we're asking um we're asking them, you know, do you trust yourself to you confess yourself to be a sinner, justly deserving God's wrath and displeasure, without any help, save in His sovereign mercy? Do you rest on the Lord Jesus Christ as He's presented in the Gospels as your only hope for salvation? Do you promise to live as befits a Christian? Uh, is kind of you know question number three. Uh, do you promise to support the church in its worship and, and and work to the best of your ability, study its purity? But then the last one is: Do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church? Um, and what that we we have a lot of folks ask. What do you? What is that question asking? And one of the things it's asking is is we just say, uh, hey, we we've got a structure here. We have elders and we have deacons. We have church officers who are charged with the with caring for this congregation. And if you've got a problem with what we're doing here, um, come to us. Ask us a question. Give us a chance to answer you, rather than um, starting a whisper campaign. Rather than you know emailing everybody in the congregation behind our back saying, "I think these elders are a bunch of, of rascals and they're no good." Rather, rather, I, I'm going to use the the what the you know the way the Constitution would call the redress of grievances. I'm going to I'm going to to ask the elders or the deacons to, to, to speak to this for me. So the first thing, when you submit yourself to the discipline of the church, you're saying, I promise to, to, to use the structures that you've given me to, to deal with some of those. But the second one is um, how do we deal with if gauge, if I find out that gauge has a meth lab and he's selling meth behind the circle K and we say gauge and, and Jesus uh, unpacks this right in Matthew 18, um, hey, Gage, we've come to realize that you are engaged in this uh, uh, continual, regular, scandalous sin. You're selling drugs behind the circle, K. Is that true? Go to him individually, mm-hmm. and and if he will, rep- and if he repents, then you've gained your brother, right? But if he says, you know what, you're right, I am selling drugs behind the circle, K, um, and I'm not going to quit. Hmm. Then Jesus says, come back again with two or three others uh, um, that everything may be established, right? So I've come back and I bring a couple other folks and we have this conversation again. And and then if if he still will not repent, then bring him bef- bring it before the congregation. And if he still will not repent, that he's to be set outside and treated like a, 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 a tax collector. Or a center. In other words, to be treated as somebody who who needs the gospel preached to them. Right. Uh, and so the the goal. Notice with those three steps. The reason there are three steps and not just 
hey, you find out something about Gage, bring it before the church, is because our goal is not to publicize his sin everywhere. Our goal is to restore our brother. He's engaged in something that's 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 bringing dishonor on himself and on his church. Um, it, it's it's scandalous sin, and it, and if he's not going to respond to the church coming and saying this is sin, will you confess this to be sin and let's work on this? Then he's 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 showing himself not to be a believer because he's he's refusing to submit right. to the to to correction as he's called to and as he's pledged to this is why we this is why we we press this is when when people join we say hey here's what this means this means you're agreeing that if if we find that you are engaged in something that is that is um scandalous sin and, and we come to you with it you're giving us permission to speak into your life in this regard. Right. It's, it's for your good. It's for the good of this church and it's for the glory of God. And, and I think too, you know, going back to our hermeneutical principles for a second, it helps to see this, this order of conversations in Matthew 18 in it, in its broader context. Mm -hmm. um, because, in the broader context, when they're having this conversation, there's a, a series of things that happen. And one of the things that happens in Matthew 18 is a conversation where Jesus is talking to Peter and they're talking about forgiving people. And one of the things that Jesus says to Peter is to forgive and forgive and forgive. And Peter asked the question that, if we're honest, we would all want to know, right? Okay, how many times do I have to deal with this before I can be done with this Yahoo, right? In, in right. 2021, we would say, how, how many times do I have to deal with this before this relationship is toxic? Yeah, cancel right? culture. Um, before I can be done with this person. Mm -hmm. And he goes, what, seven times? And Jesus says, 70 times seven, right? Now, he's not giving him a math equation, He's telling him, you forgive him to the degree to which you've been forgiven. You've been forgiven right. infinitely, so now you forgive infinitely, right? That's the reason when we pray, we pray and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? right? Like that's, that's our understanding of the gospel there. So this is a mark of the church, that we are going to be a bunch of sinners in a room together. And sometimes we're going to sin against ourselves. Sometimes we're going to sin against our brother or sister. Sometimes we're going to sin against our leaders. You know, sometimes we're going to sin against our spouse. And sometimes we're going to sin by not doing the things we know we should do. Right. right. Um, and so in, in all of those things and all of the different ways we could possibly sin and offend, there's a mechanism there of reconciliation, right? It's not just so we can put everybody's business on front street. It's so, yeah, we can actually have a culture of restitution and reconciliation. So, so these are the marks of the church, right? And, and you may say, well, Gage, this sounds really similar to when you guys talk about means of grace. And it, and it is, it's very similar that the, there's some overlap because essentially what we're saying is on the one hand, we're asking when it comes to a church, what is it? Uh, and then when we're saying that there should be means of grace, we're asking the question, what should happen when we get there? So what is the church and what should happen when we get there? And so you'll see this overlap here in the marks of the church. And now, as Scott said, 
these are not the only things that a church is, right? But these are very, very, very essential things that at their core, these three things have to happen or it is no church at all. So hopefully this has been helpful. If you have questions, you want to continue the conversation, uh, you know, each one of these episodes, we try to keep around 30 minutes to help it easy, you know, for it to be easy to listen to and not, you know, you to be able to carve out time and share with friends. But if you have, have questions about this, you want further um uh, discussion we'd love to hear from you hit us up on facebook instagram or twitter or our website or email us at contact at assuranceofpardon.com we'll also be sure to include um, in the resources tabs the belgic confession link the westminster confession links there's a series of blogs on legionnaire ministries uh, website that we would also point you to and as always, you can even use Logos Bible software to help you study uh, the marks of the church. And we'll, we'll show you how to get involved with that. And until next time, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless.